Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping people get the inside scoops on life in our church. And uh, every once in a while, we want to hear a personal story from someone in our community, uh, especially in the way that they're navigating faith, and maybe more especially in the way that they're navigating faith through challenging circumstances. And so I have a uh, parent and school teacher, Christy Duncan, joining me today uh, to talk about navigating all these challenges with regards to the back to school season. So uh, Chris, welcome to our podcast, first of all. Thanks. Um, I'm sure some of us have known you forever, but some of us may not know <laughs> you at all. Uh, you're from our St. Catharines location, but talk a little bit about yourself, your family background, and and just, you know, what you do, where you work, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, So I'm married to Gavin Duncan, who works for Barter Pay as an accountant. And uh, we have two girls, Allegra, who's 12, and Gabriella, who's 10. Uh, I've been teaching for about 12 years and actually moved around a lot in my teaching career in the early years and done a lot of different teaching roles. Um, But I'm currently teaching at Oak Ridge Public School, which is really close to the um, Glen Ridge location. And up until COVID, I taught music to the entire school, which was a really neat and fun job, although not at all my teaching background uh, when I started out. Um, And our family are big hockey fans, vacation fans, and I'm starting to dabble in a lot of running. So I could probably ask you for tips, Jeff. You could ask me more tips on being an insane hockey parent and driving around the province. <laughs> oh man, I, I don't miss that life and you are just entering into it. Wow. Oh yeah, we're in it big time right now. So That's crazy. Hey, uh, I would ask how your family ended up at Southridge, but uh, you would pretty much be a lifer, no? Yes. Um, as far as I know, I might actually be the first kid born into Fairview Louth. Right. Or maybe it was Johnny Weens. Um, I was born in January of 81, and that was the early, early days of Fairview Louth. So, yeah. Right. January of 81, you would have been one of the very first babies. Unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. That's wild. And uh, obviously, you migrated over when we moved to Glenridge. You live in the West End. I actually live right around the corner from me. Yep. We see each <laughs> other once in a while on the street. Um, knowing you've got this, like, lifetime view of the church. Uh, What are some things that you're enjoying most about our church these days? Oh, I love the idea of love beyond belief. Um, When our church started talking about those kinds of concepts, I found myself in some relationships where I didn't quite know what to do with them because the the people, we had some aspects of, of our faith in common and some aspects just totally polarized. And Um, That has really helped me navigate those relationships and figure out how to just love people when I'm in circumstances of people that I value and want to be in a relationship with, but also we don't see eye to eye in a lot of different ways. So that has been really transformative for myself and my family in navigating what's been on my heart of loving other people and loving them first and then having tough conversations later and maybe also landing still landing in different places, but um, still loving God and growing in our faith together. So that's been really um, Mm. meaningful in our family. Yeah, the emphasis on together. I know that for me, even in the past year at a very personal level, the study of Galatians was powerful Mm -hmm. in, in helping me appreciate, no, no, no. What actually binds us is only the purity and simplicity of the by grace alone, 
through yes. faith alone, in Christ alone, gospel. Anything outside of that actually waters down the gospel. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we all belong. So even yeah. if I disagree with them, even if I want to exclude them or feel like they're lesser than or that they're they're not part of us, uh, I'm the one who's wrong. They are part yeah. of us. And yeah. I can embrace that and frankly have to learn uh, still in so many ways to rise above that and to live that biblical primacy of the law of love above yeah. those distinctives that that might otherwise separate us. It's powerful. Um, obviously, we want to talk about navigating COVID and getting into a little bit of your story and processing. Um, let's go way, way back. I know for <laughs> me, it was the Wednesday before March break when I mean, our family flew to Guatemala that day. And I first started to kind of face the fact that life was about to change drastically and quickly. Um, do you remember back then kind of what you were doing and when you yes. were hearing so, about coronavirus. Tell us that story. So it wasn't Wednesday, March 11th. It was Thursday, March 12th for my family. Uh, we were supposed to be leaving Friday at the crack of dawn to go to Disney World. A oh. much anticipated first time that my kids loved rides and we were just pumped for this trip. Um, so I was going to take the Friday off of work and Thursday, um, I was out just doing the kids um, little errands of taking them to their music lessons and whatnot. And while I was sitting at their music lessons, I got the notification from the media that schools were closing for two weeks after March break. And just the quick mental, oh my goodness, what does this mean for my family? What? Um, and while I was sitting there for the hour of violin that my one daughter had with my uh, my little one beside me, I start figuring out can we even go on this trip? And our mentality was actually, how quickly can we get across the border so that we can fly to Florida and go to (laughs) Disney World without being blocked at the border was our first kind of reaction because we were so pumped for this vacation and just needing, needing the break. And then very quickly, it changed to, I'm not sure we should be going at all. And by 10 o'clock at night, everybody that knew we were going to Disney World was letting us know that Disney was closing. And my husband's work actually was very concerned about not having him there to navigate COVID and um, having him take a three-week vacation because of the isolation when we got back, um, which wasn't really relevant for the girls and I, because I thought, well, if I don't have to go to work as a teacher, we're good. Um, But yeah, we quickly struggled to make a decision. But by the morning when we were supposed to be leaving, when the kids woke up, we said, unfortunately, we're not going to Disney World. Um, unpack your bag. We're staying home. Yeah. So, so you had a vacation cancel. <laughs> yeah, and your your work instantaneously upended at the same time. Well, and at first it just seemed like we were getting three week vacation, which was mind boggling. And obviously, we were kind of okay with it, knowing that unfortunately families would be scrambling. Um, but for from where we were standing. That at first there was no talk of the online world because they just said this is just going to be for two weeks after right. March break, and we all thought we were going back. So right. I remember it was an extended March break. Yeah, we didn't yeah. even grab things that we would have needed to move into teaching online, or even personal items we just left at work, thinking no big deal, we'll be back. So yeah, and obviously we gradually shifted, but we we were not prepared for that and did not think that long term we thought this was just a short um the thinking was because so many families would be traveling after march break 
they were just encouraging families to isolate. So they're going to say, don't send your kid to school for two weeks. Uh, we'll resume after that. And hopefully everything will be fine. Right, right. So, you know, your world is being upended almost instantaneously. Like at a personal level or like from a faith perspective, how were you processing all that? And and I guess my question is, in what way was faith making any difference in those moments? Yeah, huge. So with the kids and even with myself, with the disappointment, I mean, if you've ever planned a Disney trip, you know that it's many months out and a lot of homework, depending on your style of travel. And I'm a planner to the last second. So, um, you know, it's a lot of planning. So uh, for the kids and I, we had to just remember how much God has given us and how fortunate we were that we were maybe even going to go on a Disney trip. And even though we're not, we are safe. We have a house. We still have groceries and money to buy groceries. And um, I, we weren't quite sure about Gavin's job at the time, but we knew my job was safe. They told us you will still get a paycheck. Um, so we just had to keep reminding ourselves, wow, like this isn't going how we planned, but God is still good and he's still taking care of us and we are okay. And let's be proactive in pl- praying for our frontline workers and all the people making the decisions just became part of our like nightly routine at bedtime. Let's pray for all the people that aren't as lucky and can't just stay home and stay safe like we can. So we tried to, as much as we were frustrated, um, just think of all the positives and all the fortunate scenarios. And even um, Gavin and I used to live in an apartment in Toronto uh, years ago. And we would say, wow, imagine if we were in a tiny apartment in Toronto with young kids, like totally different experience than having your own yard to still go outside and get fresh air and let the kids run around. So we just tried to keep reminding ourselves, wow, God is good and we are actually in a really good position. So how can we help others right now who maybe are having it tougher than we are? Yeah. And I found that was a real deal breaker for a lot of people to, to be able to appreciate no matter how much our world is being upended. And I mean, we'd be in a similar situation where Becky's work immediately closed and yeah, you've got some of these quite, quite significant drastic changes happening. But but being able to appreciate, you know what, at the end of the day, we are still enjoying a ridiculous amount of privilege. Yeah. And it's actually our responsibility in the way of Jesus to focus on how we can relinquish more of that privilege to help those who are less privileged. Exactly. Whether yeah. it's focusing your prayer energies or devoting finances or whatever, realizing, hey, we don't have it that bad, really. Yes. Compared right? to, to so many. And so... Uh, I think that for a lot of us, there was a, a Jesus way kind of perspective that helped, that helped frame that, which is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, in your story, you get to the place where you realize that this extended March break isn't just a <laughs> one becoming three week vacation. And yes. I'm assuming that things started to get real personal for you because school all of a sudden transitions to online that you had to absorb both as a parent and then as an educator. So first yes. things first, how did you navigate that as a parent? Was that hard? What, oh, that- it was brutal. <laughs> I mean, my children know that I'm a teacher and my daughter, my youngest, actually Gabriella was in grade four, but she doesn't see me as a teacher and I've taught grade four before. So I'm fairly familiar with the content in grade four, but they're just not they've never been in a posture of learning from mom. I mean, we obviously 
talk about educational things at home, but not in this deliberate way. Um, so that was definitely a challenge of just, you know, let it's okay. I usually know what I'm talking about. You can trust me. Oh, um, the prophet was in their hometown <laughs> and had no honor. <laughs> right. Um, but even just from the practical side of things, I mean, figuring out technology, my kids are still on the younger end and we've tried to delay giving them their own personal pieces of technology um, as long as we could, knowing those days are numbered. But figuring out what are we going to use to have th uh, three of us online all the time. By this point, we knew Gavin was going into work every single day, which was the best for our family uh, because we're used to summers where the girls are home and dad's at work and we know kind of how to navigate that world. So uh, that helped a little bit, but figuring out the tech, figuring out the Wi-Fi, we have a MacBook and half the things their teachers are sending out don't really work on a MacBook. So there was those kind of practical frustrations. Um, and then finally getting into, okay, here's our routine. We start at nine. Um, you know, we'll take a break at one o'clock because I needed to do my own work. So if my kids weren't done by one, we was it was kind of like, oh, well, you know what? That's okay. I was really fortunate. I'm actually only half time. So we could navigate a lot easier than uh, a lot of families because I knew I only needed to be uh, half the day doing my own work. Uh, but yeah, it was challenging. And I know like prayer was key for me, just praying before starting with my children that I would be patient and they could be patient. Um, my girls also go to French immersion and my French is extremely limited. So that was an extra challenge. But yeah, just getting through it was not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how, you know, even those little logistics, like, do we have enough devices? Right. <laughs> is, is uh, like, that's a legitimate, that, that becomes a legitimate chronic thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, down to workspaces and things like that. The flip side, talk about uh, as a school teacher. So on the one hand, you're now in this role of, okay, I'm basically supplementing my kids' education in a homeschooling kind of a way. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, I've got, my own classes to, to teach. How did you have to adjust as a, on the teaching side? Yeah, uh, teaching for me, I at the time I taught all 13 classes at our school. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's not true. I taught 11 out of 13 classes uh, at our school um, using two different platforms because I would use Google Classroom or D2L depending on what the homeroom teacher had chosen. And again, they kind of even just chose in a scramble thinking this was a temporary thing, not really there wasn't a collaboration piece of, okay, as a school, what are we going to choose? Because we, the mindset was, this is temporary. This is just a, a quick get us through a month or so. Um, so navigating how every homeroom teacher wanted things to work, uh, being sensitive to them. So I had to set up a schedule kind of uh, for myself, a little timetable like I would normally do of which classes I'm going to work with when. Um, and really one of the challenges that a lot of us teachers had was shutting off. It's really hard. I, I know people who work from home would know this, but when you never leave your workplace, you can't shut off. And we often, teachers are known for bringing work home for sure. But now we ha would have, I would have kids sending me messages in the middle of the night asking how to do an assignment. And I had to learn to like silence my phone and kind of set set hours, um, but also you try to be available. Um, so yeah, it was just 
unexpected challenges and trying to navigate platforms we've never really used before. Um, or if we had used them for me as a music teacher, I'd quickly realize, okay, well, I can film a video of myself. But the second I play background music, the, my computer shuts out that sound and it wouldn't pick up the sound of the music because it was trying to just pick up like the human voice and just little tech challenges that you just didn't even know were a thing because you've never tried to teach on an online platform. Yeah, so just a crazy, crazy learning curve. Right. Like it um, would have been totally different if it was something we knew was coming and could prepare for versus you were home for a couple of weeks off and suddenly they said, you're going to teach from home. <laughs> So yeah, challenging. So speaking of learning curves, let's fast forward now to the past few weeks. So let's pretend you had a bit of a summer. And uh, you know, in the past few weeks, you've been in preparation for the back to school season. And just so everyone's clear, this is releasing on the 21st of September, but we're recording this a little earlier. So everything that we say may be outdated by then. We'll just make that disclaimer right now. But, um, <laughs> You know, first things first, how have you and Gavin been processing the whole back to school journey as parents? I know that for a lot of us as parents, that's been a source of uncertainty and anxiety. How have you guys been processing it? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely been in conversation with a lot of other people, um, hearing their story, where do they land? What do they think? Especially people maybe who have a little bit more uh, medical background than we have. Um, but for us, it was an easy decision to send our kids back because the online didn't go so well. And since I now need to go to work, we right away decided, you know what, for us as a family, we don't think it's best for our two children to be home alone all day and sitting at a device. Um, so yeah, since, and, and navigating French with no, no one to support them. And navigating French with no support. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for us, we were kind of glad the decision was easy. We knew that, you know what, also we know that our own two children with their personality, they're actually probably going to thrive in an environment where they do their work independently. They don't work as much with others and they don't need that sort of um, buy-in of engagement level. They're willing to just, the teacher says, do this, I will do it. Um, versus that they don't need necessarily some of the excitement that teachers try to bring to it to draw in those kids that don't love learning quite as much naturally. So for our kids, it was a pretty easy decision. We think they will be okay. Obviously, are we worried about their health to an extent? Are we worried about our extended family? Yes, we need to be extremely cautious if our kids are exposed to more people. But we didn't feel like we had a choice. And we were kind of thankful in that that. Yeah. It was just, we're doing it. Yeah. And as a school teacher, you're obviously going back into the classroom. Yes. How are you viewing that? Are you, you know, are you excited at all? Or what, <sighs> what, what makes you most anxious? Talk about that a bit. Lots of anxiety, some excitement, definitely. And I was talking to my colleagues today. Are we excited? We are excited to see the kids. Uh, we are, we're excited to see each other and just get back into a routine and a, stability in our daily lives. And we just think that that the kids need that and we need that. So that would be where our excitement lies. But the biggest anxiety I think is on how are we going to make this fun and engage students when to us at this point, um, preschool starting, we feel like 
all the things that we do that are fun or exciting, fun lunches, special days, assemblies, days where the whole school works together for like play days. Um, for me as a music teacher, dancing, singing, instruments, making music, hands-on science experiments, all those kinds of things are out the window. And even on a deeper level, no hugs, no high fives. Can the children even see when I'm smiling because I'm proud of them? Or is this just going to become more of a policing job where we're telling kids, put your mask back on, sit down. It's time to wash your hands. Here's your work. Do it by yourself. No, I'm not allowed to help you because I can't get that close. Yeah. So those, yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. nature of the job is it's fundamentally different. It's, it reminds me a lot of our, how we've been processing the reopening of worship gatherings. Yes. Where we said, listen, like, we could reopen and go through all the protocols of reopening at 30% capacity, whatever. What we would be doing would be fundamentally different than gathering. Yes. In all of the wearing masks, physical distancing, can't hug, can't handshake, can't sing, can't. Yeah. Know, the only thing that we can do is engage in, in content. And, you know, in, in that larger group environment, we can deliver the content uh, from home. Uh, which doesn't require as much homeschooling, hopefully, in the <laughs> online church service version of it. But uh, yeah, that's a huge, I imagine that's a huge anxiety. Can you talk a little bit, either or both, as a parent and as an educator going back in the classroom, uh, the role that your faith is having these days? Yeah. Um, I just have to keep reminding myself that I know God is in control I know that he has prepared us for those things because we've had all this time to at least process COVID. Kids have been around masks and are getting used to them. They know about hand washing and that um, it will be okay and we will figure it out because um, in my career, I've moved around more than most teachers and I've taught more subjects than most teachers and more than I ever would have imagined. I was trained in math and science and now I'm a music teacher. Um, but I can see when I look back how God has prepared me in ways I didn't realize to do what I need to do next. So I just need to remind myself of those things and trust that he's going to give us ideas of how to be creative, of how to love on these kids and show them we're proud of them and make those connections that are so key and need to be in place before learning uh, because he's always come through in the past and he will. Um, so yeah, just reminding myself of all the times he's been faithful. Um, and also that um, I have a leadership role to play in this because I have a faith. Um, I can be an encouragement to my staff and to my children. Um, we talk about you, you are a leader and you, you can make a difference in the other kids' lives. So set an example. And when you feel like complaining, because school is not the way it used to be. Remember, we're fortunate that you're able to go back. We're fortunate that you have an education and that you're still safe and you have food to eat. And there's so many blessings we still have, even if some of the fun that you're used to isn't there right now kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously this has been, I read in the paper almost every day leading up to September, uh, certainly a, a challenge for parents. And yeah. it seems like, you know, the, the launch of back to school season has a lot of parents struggling. You know, some have leaned towards sending their kids back in person. Some have leaned towards online only learning, um, you know, to parents on both sides of that. And maybe even more, more importantly, 
for parents who are kind of set on, you know, their way is the only right way yeah. in that sense, you know, as both a parent and educator, what would your encouragement be? I think we need to just listen to people and hear their stories. And uh, when we're set in one way, if we don't hear why somebody feels the other way and we just make assumptions or assume that they're wrong or um, that they don't have all the information that they're basing their choice on, usually once you hear the story behind how they got to this place, it all makes a lot more sense. Not always, but often um, when you hear if somebody is choosing to keep their kids at home and they say, well, you know what, we've got an ailing grandmother who lives with us or, um, you know, we have a worry about this or that you can kind of understand. So in my experience, when I've come across people, um, that just have a very different perspective than I do, the more we can listen to them and actually ask good questions where we, we just are honestly curious and not in a judging way, but it, um, just asking good questions, uh, we can understand a little bit more where they're coming from. Um, and more importantly, just be gracious to other people because, yeah, we don't know how they got to that decision. Um, and the, these options were provided for us. So if you're given options, it should be okay if you choose one way or the other. Um, that, yeah, we just need to be kind and loving and uh, do the best we can to understand, even if it doesn't totally make sense to us. Yeah, yeah. It's been funny. I've been confusing people as they've been talking to me as a parent because the way Becky and I ended up processing it was based on, and and I think hearing you had done it similarly, based on you know how your kids struggled or thrived with the previous online experience. Yeah. So we have two that we you know had really wanted to go back and and be in the classroom, and one who much preferred to to do the online learning. And sure. so we've let them kind of make those choices. And, and uh, in our case, Becky works out of the house. So yeah. we have a parent home. So it's not like a childcare, sort of a supervision, sort of a safety issue. And mm -hmm. it sort of works. But, you know, when you tell people, especially when they're coming at it from a, there's only one right way. Right. You know, we're kind of doing both. But I've been, I've been sort of messing with people in that, in that sense. But, you know, it, coming back to the very beginning of this conversation, it, it, it's funny because it, it actually serves as yet another great tangible example of what we mean by love beyond belief. Yes. And it's, it's so interesting to watch, you know, that grooming, that spiritual grooming in you now being able to play out in something like this. And so I guess my question would be, how have you, how have you learned through the learning of love beyond belief, which was probably applied in different ways than this? How have you learned now to apply that in, in this situation? Yeah, well, I a few years back, I taught at a really rough school, and there were some kids that you just felt like you couldn't love them, like their behavior, their demeanor, their attitude towards life. They were probably the toughest group I ever came around. And finally, one day, um, I was talking to one of my colleagues, and I said, like, what's the story behind this kid? I don't get it. I can't break through to her for anything. And the colleague who had been at the school for a really long time told me this heartbreaking story of this child. Well, she lives with her grandma because her parents, although still together and have other children, her siblings decided they don't want her. And they moved to Toronto and left her here and took the siblings. And my heart just broke. And I just realized, wow, like, how would my children be surviving day to day in that scenario? Yeah. Or, um, 
how would I be as a an adult even if I grew up in that environment? And um, so for the last few years, my I've always tried to remind myself when there's something tough and you don't agree with someone, there's probably a story behind it. There's probably more below the surface than I even realize. There's when people are difficult to be around or tough to love, they didn't just decide to be that way. You know, there's a lot more going on probably. So I try to always, for my students, I try to find out the story as much as I'm allowed to know the information so that I can look at them um, through those eyes of love and understanding. But even when we have a tough parent or somebody that we come across, I try to remember, you know, there's probably a lot more going on um, than I can see. And this person is still a child of God. And so I can love them. And um, recently over the years, we've had a few families that we um, have ended up spending a lot of time with and even kind of COVID driveway visits uh, where these families have very different opinions than Gavin and I. But um, the one couple in particular, they're really open to talking about it. Um, they, they're not believers in Christ, but they love having great conversations. and. Um, it's really kind of opened my eyes to the beauty of being able to have tough conversations that help me to kind of solidify what I believe and why I believe it sometimes because of how strongly I disagree with them. And yet we still have a beautiful relationship. And so many times I learn from them or even just question my own faith and, and grow in my own faith because I realize, Oh, I've just always believed that. And I don't really know why. So it's let me dig deeper. So um, I've been growing in the really listening and asking questions. And I think in this challenging time of do your kids go back to school or don't they, or what are you doing? Just so key to listen and to also just say, you know what, sometimes we don't agree and that's okay. Um, but if I really want to understand, I'm going to try to ask questions without thinking of my response while you're talking. Um, and if possible, if there's a book out there or somebody uh, knowledgeable on the topic, then I'll explore that too, just to figure out um, a bit more about where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. That's great wisdom, Chris. Uh, wrapping things up, uh, give you a free shot. Any final sure. encouragements or challenges to all of our listeners and members in any way, or maybe specifically when it comes to this navigating COVID again, <laughs> uh, or, or maybe more, especially for those of us who are navigating with kids in this back to school season. Yeah. I, the first thing that came to mind was just Please be patient and gracious. Um, as a teacher, we tend to find out all the information at the moment from social media. So when you hear about it, we're hearing about it at the same time, not even ahead of time. So we don't have very many answers. We know going into school and by the time you hear this podcast, we will hopefully have a lot more of them. But we feel like we're kind of in a zone of trial and error and we're just trying to figure it out. So if your kid comes home and they talk about all the things that went wrong. We apologize. We assume that we are doing our best. Be gracious with us. Um, try to be positive with your kids because we're going to try to be positive even though we know um, it's not the environment that they're used to and just um, like a lot of the fun stuff seems to be pulled. Um, but yeah, just be gracious and pray for creativity for educators that we could uh, find ways to engage your kids and more importantly to just show them how much we care and build connections with them when we feel like we have so many limitations on us right now. And like our job might be more of a policing role than a uh, building relationships with kids role. Yeah. So. yeah I, I, 
I heard that earlier in the podcast and it's actually been really helpful for me because since COVID, I've made a point every day uh, in my quiet time to have a pray for frontline workers space. And since the back to school season has started, I've added teachers to that. Oh, thank you. Given me some real, some real concrete specificity to pray into. And so I would encourage all of us to uh, be encouraging, be gracious, and to lean in uh, during our times of prayer to, to pray for those who are on the front lines in these ways. Chris, thank, thanks so much for joining us. All the best uh, thanks, as a parent Jeff. to your family uh, and uh, as an educator in this unprecedented season. <laughs> we love you guys and are just grateful that you shared some, some of your story with us today. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining in again. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.